Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. So on a holiday like Halloween, thought we're just going to embrace this thing. And it is just as I was telling the kids, it's a holiday really that centers around fear. And I asked the kids this, but I'm just curious, adults, what are you afraid of? Like, If you were honest with yourself, what are you afraid of? And of course, maybe you're like, I'm, I really am scared of cockroaches or, or snakes or whatever. But I'm thinking of the other stuff in life. What are you afraid of? Uh, this Sunday, um, as we are in a series called The Lost Arts, I want to talk about the lost art of fearing the Lord. The lost art of fearing the Lord. And uh, I know that there are many, many fears that we might struggle with. You might have the fear of tragedy. You might have the fear of bad guys. You might have the fear of the boogeyman, the dark, or evil, or sickness, you might have financial fears. You might have job fears. You might have a fear of flying. That's pretty common. You might have a fear of heights. Anyone fear of heights? Oh, yeah. Fear of being alone. Claustrophobia. <laughs> Public speaking. There's lots and lots of things that we could be afraid of. But what if I told you that the key to not being afraid was being afraid. What if the problem with our fears is not that we're afraid, but it's that we're really afraid of the wrong things? And today, that's what I want us to talk about. We're going to be in Psalm uh, 112. If you have a copy of scriptures and want to turn there with me, I'm also going to have it on the screens for you. And by the way, the kids moving around and all that stuff is beautiful and perfect, and we love it. So don't ever feel like worried about that. Parents, be at ease right now in Jesus' name, okay? May the peace of God be upon your heart as your child is sitting next to you, we totally embrace it. It is the sound of life, and it's what our lives are like, and we, we love it. We're going to be in Psalm 112, and I just want to read this. It says, Hallelujah, happy is the person who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. His descendants will be powerful in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light shines in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Good will come to the one who lends generously and conducts his business fairly. He will never be shaken. The righteous one will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is confident, trusting in the Lord. 
His heart is assured. He will not fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He distributes freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. Verse 10, the wicked one will see it and be angry. He will gnash his teeth in despair. The desire of the wicked leads to ruin. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this psalm that's talking about the fear of the Lord and it begins with that, that uh, incredible beginning. It's blessed or happy is the one who fears the Lord. And just as I shared with the kids, it's kind of the first point that I think we need to understand is that the most fearsome being in the universe is God. Have you ever thought about that before? The most fearsome being in the universe is God. And it's kind of ironic that I'm dressed in a medieval costume right now and I'm talking about the fear of the Lord today. But really, the Holy One of Israel is the most fearsome being in the entire universe. The most fearsome entity in the universe is not tyrannical communism, it's not the cartel, it's not jihadist, it's not nuclear missiles, it's not even the devil, it's not coronavirus or illness or some other thing. The most, the most fearsome entity in the entire universe is God, according to the Bible over and over again. I know on Halloween, there's talk amongst Christians of like, oh, be careful, like hide your cats because the witches are going to come out and there's like all this fear around darkness and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, there's bad stuff that happens. It's true. There's a measure of spiritual power in the darkness. I, I love that there's just a unicorn gallivanting. <laughs> love it. <laughs> But what is, the, what is the power of the darkness compared to the power of the God of Israel, the, the Holy One, the creator, the maker, the sustainer of the universe? Like, there's, it's not even worth comparing to the power of God. In James 2, he's talking to a bunch of Christians, and he says, you believe that God is one, Good, And then he says this, it's really fascinating. Even the demons believe and they shudder. That word shudder is like they are trembling. There's a song called Tremble and it talks about how, the, how Jesus makes the darkness tremble. And on the holiday of fear, I just want to remind you that all the darkness trembles at the name of Jesus. Amen. And, and, and I know there's goofy stuff that we're afraid of, but there's also really real stuff that we're afraid of as Christians and as adults and as all the things that we face in our lives. And I just want you to know that the most fearsome being is not all that stuff that could happen or, or darkness or evil or whatever. The most fearsome thing in the entire universe is God. See, as the church, we shouldn't fear the darkness. The darkness should fear the church because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We are agents of the kingdom that has no 
end, at the end of the story, does darkness or nuclear destruction or all that stuff win? No, Jesus wins. God wins. Let's talk about what is the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Now, when you look up the word fear, it, it means fear. What do you know? The translators got it right. To fear the Lord, it, it literally just means to fear. It can be like a terror or a dread of just like, oh. In the New Testament, in the Greek, is the word phobos, is where we get our word phobia from. So any phobia, it's like it comes from that same word of, of being afraid of something. I, I have a phobia, a fear. It means to stand in awe, to revere, to respect, to trust. And I'm concerned that in this age, the fear of the Lord is becoming a lost art. Does that make sense? Because Jesus is so gracious in, in some ways that, in the way that we talk about him, it's like we can sort of remove all the awe and all the reverence and all the respect and the, the true fear of the Lord. I uh, took my oldest son horseback riding. Um, he got into horseback riding and we were going to the stable and this was a pretty big stable that had a huge arena and tons of people were there. I think coronavirus made like all these kind of outdoor activities like just go boom. And so this place was full of kids everywhere. And so there's this big arena and there's, I mean, I don't know how many horses. It'd be dozens of horses with kids on them riding around this arena. And if you've ever been up close to a horse, right, at, at, at the beginning, they have you sort of like brush the horse and like prepare it for the saddle and all that kind of stuff. And when you feel a horse, obviously, it's, it's an intimidating creature. If you've ever stood next to one and you're kind of brushing it, preparing it for the saddle and you feel the muscles on this thing and they even tell you, be careful how you approach the horse because if you spook the horse, they might kick. And if you've ever been kicked by a horse, whoa, right, that's scary stuff. That would hurt. You break your leg or something. And so you approach this incredible, majestic, beautiful animal with this sense of fear, right? And as we were, you know, the kids were going around the arena, all of a sudden, this one girl lost control of her horse. She was a small little thing. She's hanging on to that thing, and that horse got spooked and just starts sprinting around this arena. And I mean, it was crazy. I mean, all the parents were like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And, and you know, these cowboy people that run this place are like so amazing. You know, they're just like giving commands to, to the horse and to this girl. Uh, this dad of the little girl, he just runs and he's trying to get the horse to stop and he throws his body in front of the horse. Of course, thankfully he didn't get trampled or anything like that. And they finally got the horse under control. And it was so interesting that's like the fear came upon the whole arena. Does that make sense? Where all the kids that were on the horses just began to ride a little bit differently because they realized, whoa, this thing is powerful. 
And I, I think that sometimes in the Christian life, in the Christian world, we can just be so haphazard about everything and so careless that we forget the awesome power, majesty of the most high God, the most fearsome being in the entire universe. You know, when we don't fear the Lord, we become flippant about sin. We, we begin to compromise with worldliness and all kinds of stuff in our lives, and we downgrade obedience to the appearance of obedience or the appearance of goodness, right? I can still have my things over here that I'm kind of enjoying by myself, and it's, you know, it's not right, but it's not that bad. I'm not killing anyone when I do this. And so we have these compromises that come in, and we downgrade obedience, and, and you meet people who love to, quote-unquote, worship, and like, oh yeah, I love, I love Jesus culture, and I love Bethel music, and I love, all, I, love, I love worship, and I love all that kind of stuff. And we talk about Jesus, and yet we live contrary to his word and to his ways. It's like, we've lost the fear. And here's the most devastating part about losing the fear of the Lord is that we become dominated by the fear of everything else. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever we lose the fear of the most fearsome one, we become dominated by the fear of all the other stuff that we could be afraid of. And what's so cool, on the other hand, the scriptures are full of promises for those who fear the Lord. We read one in, in the beginning of, of, this, uh, of this, this chapter of scripture, and, and he talks about all the ways that it kind of changes our lives. But I'll just show some other ones. This was uh, from Psalm 111.10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Deuteronomy 6 says the fear of the Lord keeps us from doing what is evil and it results in prosperity and preservation. That it turns us away from idolatry. That the Lord delights in those, in the, in those who fear him. In some translations it says he confides in those who fear him. That God speaks to them in a special way. He confides in them. Psalm 25 uh, I mean, in Psalm 37, the fear of the Lord brings protection to our lives. It brings blessing, and it keeps us from the fear of man. It's marked by a reverence and awe for God. It's a sense of the weightiness and the power of God. It's an awareness of his holiness and his righteousness and justice that produces this deep, loving respect for him. And the big thing that I want us to understand, I'm going to keep it short today because I know you have children running around you right now, is that the fear of the Lord cures us from lesser fears. It's interesting, in verse 1, he says this. He says, hallelujah, happy is the person who fears the Lord. 
And then in verse 8, I'm sorry, in uh, verse 8, yes, it says, his heart is assured he will not fear. Well, that's weird. Happy is the person who fears the Lord. He will not fear. He will not fear. So the one who fears the Lord won't fear all the other stuff, is what the psalmist is saying. In fact, he says he will look in triumph on his foes, and that's not a promise of a problem-free life. Hello? If you're living right now on planet Earth, you know following Jesus is not the promise of a problem-free life. In fact, Jesus said you will have many troubles, right? We know that's true. We know that's true. But in the end, the one who fears the Lord will look in triumph on his foes. You see, the fear of the Lord, it liberates us. But without it, fear will dominate us. Right? There, there are many fears that enslave us, but the fear of the Lord frees us. It frees us. And, and it's beautiful in this passage, as, as you look through what he says, he talks about the generations of those who fear the Lord. And, and we have fears about our kids, don't we? And our grandkids, and we, we want them to do well. And he says, look, the generation of the upright will be blessed. You don't need to be afraid of that if you fear the Lord. He talks about them um, lending generously. He says that there's wealth in their houses. And how many of our fears are centered around like finances and money and what are we going to do and all that kind of stuff. But he says, no, no, those who fear the Lord, they're going to learn how to live diligently and they're going to be just fine. You're going to be okay if you will fear the Lord. Talks about the, the fear of the unknown. I think one of our kiddos said, I'm afraid of the unknown. And, and he says in verse four that light shines in the darkness for those who fear the Lord, meaning they're going to know what to do when everything's dark. It's like they're going to have a light. And how many of our fears are around decisions that we have to make and what do we do? And I, I don't know. But if we fear the Lord, light will shine in the darkness. He talks about their business being blessed. If we have fear of our jobs and business transactions, verse seven, they will not fear bad news, right? How many of our fears are ugh, all the bad news? Verse eight, the fear of being ashamed of how your life will turn out. And he says, his heart is assured. He will not fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. You see, the fear of the Lord cures us from lesser fears. And let me close with this. When you think of people who fear the Lord, when you think of monks, when you think of the medieval fear of the Lord, do you think of happy people? Is that what comes into your mind? When someone says, fear the Lord, you're like, ah. But the psalmist says, happy, happy is the one who fears the Lord, taking great delight in his commands. 
Everybody wants to live a happy life, right? I want it. You want it. You want it for your kids. You want it for your grandkids. You want to live a happy life. And here's the instruction. Fear the Lord. Teach your kids to fear the Lord. What is it that turns the fear of the Lord from dread into delight? What is it that turns the fear of the Lord from horror into happiness? 1 John 4, 17 through 18 says, In this love is made complete with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment. By the way, that's a scary day when the most fearsome being in the universe parts the heavens and steps in and there's a day of judgment, that's a scary day when all the other fears will shrink away into the corners of the universe and everybody will know the most fearsome being in the universe is God. Scary day. So that we may have confidence what on the scariest day the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world and here's what he says there is no fear in love instead perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment everybody say punishment punishment children i want to hear you say punishment punishment you're like, oh, I don't like that word, Chris. I know, I know. Fear involves punishment. So the one who fears is not complete in love. What John's talking about is what Jesus did for us. The one who feared the Lord perfectly. The one who walked uprightly the one who conducted everything ethically, morally, purely. He was perfect. And in my place, in your place, you know Jesus took that cross for us. And he rose from the grave. Amen. Yeah. That's the right response. That's why Jesus said, you must have faith like a child. Because that's the right response. And he rose again, coming back to life. And he offers us forgiveness so that on the scariest day, we can have confidence knowing that God has moved on our behalf. This amazing act of love and grace has the power to remove the terror, fear of God and give us the happy, delighted, obedient, reverent awe of God. It's the fear of the Lord. And I just want you to know that just knowing that doesn't save you. Just knowing it doesn't save you. Responding to it does. My favorite description of the kingdom that Jesus gives comes from Matthew 13. He says, the kingdom of heaven was like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, 
in his, he, he, he reburies the treasure, okay? He finds the treasure, he pulls it out, he's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this is so valuable. He buries it again, he goes and he sells everything he has. And he buys the entire field. And I love that picture. Because what Jesus is talking about is a Beth the farm, sell it all kind of response to the offer of Jesus, to the gospel. And I just want you to know that if you want to live a happy, blessed life where all the lesser fears begin to dissipate in us as we begin to remember the fear of the Lord, it's going to take a bet it all, bet the farm, sell it all kind of response of faith where we say, I follow Jesus. And today, if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I mean to go all in, to buy the whole field, I want to give you that opportunity to follow him. It really is simple. It's believing what he's done for you. It's trusting him, and it's giving yourself to that fully. And so today I say, turn from everything else and wholeheartedly follow him. If you're a Christian who hasn't feared the Lord, if it's been real flippant and, and there's just all this compromise in your life, the same message is for you today. Bet it all. Bet the farm. Sell it all. Follow him wholeheartedly. Jesus will receive you. If you've been flippant with sin, hypocritical, compromised with worldliness, Jesus wants a heart fully devoted. And to those of us who feel all the lesser fears, and I know, I, I know all about it. Believe me, I do. If you've been dominated by all the lesser fears, I just want to remind you to develop a deep, reverent awe of God. And I just want you to remember, just as that horse was intimidatingly strong, you serve a God who is intimidatingly strong, and he has power over all the lesser fears in our lives. And you can trust him. You can look to him. The problem with our fears is not that we're afraid. It's just that we're afraid of the, the wrong things. And the cure for our fears is the fear of the Lord. I wanna close out with a blessing. And here's the blessing. May you, may I, may we be happy and delighted in the fear of the Lord that delivers us from lesser fears. May our hearts be secure and confident, trusting in the Lord. May our understanding of the fearsome, awesome power of the Holy One of Israel be matched only by our understanding of the astounding mercy and grace that we find in Jesus. May we learn to say what our kids learned a few weeks ago. It was this. Goodbye fear, 
God is here. Isn't that awesome? Our kids learned that a few weeks ago here at church. And I heard my, my child quote that back, and I was like, thank you, preach to me, young one. Goodbye, fear. God is here. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.